So I gave uh, Deacon Chad uh, the first seven verses of chapter three, right? We're doing Ephesians chapter three, one through seven, stewarding conviction. I just want to read out of my Bible, last little section that Pastor West taught on. Uh, so um, G, uh, Paul is talking about how Jesus has united us all in Christ. And there's a lot of racial barriers. And we look at it like, but it's so applicable to today. It sure is. It sure is. Absolutely, right? Um, but these people were saying, because you were born in a country that's not mine, you couldn't be joined with Christ, right? And so understanding that the message is for all. And so honestly, that kind of transcends any of the racial tension that we're experiencing in America right now. It is, no, 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 no. Everyone can experience Christ and be a part of God's family. And that is the most important part right there, that we may all be united and joined in Christ. Amen? And so he goes through, he says, For through him, this is verse 18, we both have access in one spirit to the Father because we all have the same Holy Spirit. Amen, guys? That's awesome. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We belong to the same country, right? Therefore, believers in Mexico, we're of the same family of the same kingdom. Now, there are kingdoms, there are nations, there are rules, there are laws, right? There are magistrates. They have been established by God according to the book of Romans. And we honor them and we respect them until the point where they contradict God's word and they call us to do it. In which case, we refuse that. And we stand on God's principles, right? Yeah. But I'll tell you what. We are more joined with believers in Mexico than we are with unbelievers here in America. Yeah. I am a patriot. I love your hat, Pierce. Bro, America. God bless the USA, right? But I'll tell you what. I cannot be a, an American first. Right. I cannot be a white man first. Right. I am a Christian. Right. And I will stand before the throne with Pastor John, with William Perry, the black line of Zion, with the most amazing haircut today, right? With Glenn and Ellen, who are both of Jewish descent, right? We're all going to stand there together, which really this section of Scripture applies mostly to us, right? Uh, us Gentiles are joined together with them now, right? It's awesome stuff, right? I'll even be before the throne with Maxwell. Give us a wave, Maxwell. You killed the stand today, bro. I'm so proud of you. Look, slayed it, man. Slayed it. Amen. That's so good. <laughs> we're all a part of God's household, God's family, right? And we're going to get more into that way later on down the road in chapter 3. Um, verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. I'm going to get into that today, but as we understand, God has established his word. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And we're like, dude, this is awesome. And then Paul comes in and he's like, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, uh, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, you're like, whoa, whoa, Paul, 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 what are you talking about right now? What were you getting on to? Why'd you stop? He's talking about something else. Pastor West gets the honor of finishing Paul's thought in verse 14. So the next 12 verses, we're going to talk about this rabbit trail right now because something occurs to Paul. Um, not everything is obvious to everyone. You can't just assume someone has the same experience as you. And though he planted the church of Ephesus, though he went through all that nonsense where all the silversmiths had that riot come up and they're like, just go kill Paul, kill Paul. Just murder him right now. And they're like, oh, Paul, we got to get you out of here, right? And then he leaves Ephesus. But he establishes a really cool church, right? He writes a letter back to them. 
That's this letter. He's like, hey, guys, like, we're going we're gonna to continue to pursue God. It is who we are. God has made us together with him. He's given us every spiritual blessing. And people are like, reading this, dude, this is so cool. But all the dudes around them are like, who the heck's this Paul guy? And something's spoken here, and of course, I'm going to get into it later. But I do want to drop it right now. Um, Paul right now is understanding that there are probably new people in the room. Because he left with an expectation for the church of Ephesus. That they would grow, that they would be healthy, that they would evangelize, that they would share the gospel. And so as this individual who's penning it, I don't really remember, I think it's, it might be Silas, but as they're penning his words, because he's hanging up on a wall in a prison, right, and he's telling them to rejoice in Christ, and he's telling them about their identity in God, as he's chained to a wall in a prison, right, he realizes something. Hold on a second. I charged them before I left. I believe they've been faithful with that charge. There's probably people in there who have no idea who I am, and they may not even understand the gospel that I'm preaching. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm just going to lay a quick foundation, and then I'll continue my thought, because it's crucial that they understand this. So we're going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 7. I'm going to pray, and then we will continue on with the sermon. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in the other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same gospel. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We, we, we thank you that you love us, God, that you've made a way for all of us, God, that there is enough room in your kingdom for all of us, Father. We bless your holy name, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. So Paul, right, is sitting there, and he's like, for, for, what, sorry, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, and then he stops. Right, and when I read the Bible, I like to stop, and you know, I kind of like to take it slow. Like, 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 what's he talking about right now? He says, for this reason. What reason? Unfortunately, as I said, we're not going to get into that today. Pastor Russ is going to take care of that, <laughs> verse 14, in a couple weeks. He kind of leaves us on a cliffhanger, and he says, oh, hold on a second. Before I go any further, let's make sure we're all on the same page right now. What's important here, and what we will discuss the next two weeks, is what he broke off to talk about and why it's significant. And I have three major points that I pulled out of this. Um, and I think a lot of this is not obvious. I think it's, it's, it's in what he says and what he doesn't say. I think it's if when you take in the full counsel of the book of Acts and how it talks about his travels in Ephesus, and the other ways that Paul writes, you understand who he is through his writings and through the narratives about him. And you can understand right now his burden for the Ephesians, his love for these people, his love for the Gentiles, right? Let's read verses 1 through 3 again. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. I'm in prison for you, is what he says. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. The faithfulness of God's grace towards the Gentiles was given to Paul. Almost like an object or a robe that he would wear, just something. It, 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 though it wasn't physical, it, it might as well have been physical upon him. That was his burden. 
how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. We see a lot of I, me, my in there. And it's, right, that sounds like that Beatles song. I, me, me, my. I don't remember how it goes. Anyways, it's, not, it, it's an okay Beatles song. You know, it's whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Can't all be gold. You know, it is what it is. But he's going in here, and he's, and he's constantly talking from his perspective. And people might think, okay, very self-centered. No. He wants them to know his personal stake in this matter and why he is writing this letter to them. Because he's like, these guys may think, who the heck is this Paul guy? He just thinks he's, no, no, no. I want you to know why this letter is being written to you, why I'm going through what I'm going through. So my first point, stewardship. And I'm going to do a really good job making sure you guys get all three points. Because last time I said point one, and you guys were on your own after that. You just have to extrapolate it from what I said, right? Praise God. So verses one through three, right? Paul is continuing on to a point, a very important one for that matter, but decides to qualify a few things. So it's not a mess. It's not a, I'm just going to glaze over this section like, wow, that's boring. Nothing's applicable until verse 14. No, 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 no. He wants to qualify some things. Qualification is very important. right? It, it makes the words make more sense. It makes them hit harder. You begin to understand why they're there. He recognizes that all of his audience, sorry, that not all of his audience may be familiar with him. So he addresses that sharing his testimony and how God has spoken to him. But in the section, there is ownership. In these first three verses, all three of them, ownership. God is owning, sorry, Paul is owning what God has given to him. The first point, he expresses that his imprisonment is on behalf of all Gentiles. Not just the church of Ephesus, all Gentiles. This Jewish man who should not mix with them. Because of Christ, as he said at the end of chapter 2, has brought down the dividing wall. He says, I am in prison for you. And that is very scandalous, if you think about it from a Jewish perspective. Now, why is that? Why is he, on behalf, why is he in prison on behalf of the Gentiles? Well, Paul is only in this position because he has gone out to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He's only been in prison because he's left. Because he's gone around and done what he did. Because he made a lot of people angry. Some of his imprisonments came outside. Some of them came inside of Jerusalem. But all of it was because of his ministry to the Gentiles. He would not be in prison if they didn't need the gospel. So he said, they need the gospel. I will go through hell for them. In fact, in one of the other epistles, um, Paul, when he's talking about his countrymen, right? But you understand this burden. He, he, he so desires the other Jews to know Christ. He said, I, I, I would wish for myself to be forsaken from God if they would but know Christ. Think about that burden. I wish that I would go to hell if every other person in the world would know Jesus. Can you imagine that burden? And he's taking that burden out to the Gentiles. I will go through whatever it takes that they may hear the gospel. Second, he acknowledges that the stewardship of God's grace for the Gentiles has been given to him. He says that in verse 2, right? He says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. And so God is, un- sorry, Paul is understanding that there's a purpose to what God has given him. And he is acting upon that purpose instead of sitting on it. He says, if this has been given for the Gentiles, then it must be given to the Gentiles. If I have it for the Gentiles, then I have to take it to them. I can't have someone else do it. I have to take it to them. I have to do something about it. Ownership, Right? Paul is personally responsible for physically acting upon God's grace for the Gentiles. 
physically acting upon it. He's not going to go nail himself to a cross and, 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 and die for them. But he's going to bring them the message of the one who did. And as Maxwell said earlier during prayer, also rose again for them. But he says, I physically have to go. I have to go. Stewardship implies a faithfulness. He knows it is his ministry, and he is faithful with it. He knows what he's called to do. I think that's caused a lot of insecurity in a lot of us. What am I supposed to do? You know, that's, that's a really big point, and I want you to know I'm very empathetic towards that. A lot of people are in here. You know, God, what am I supposed to do? The answer is not always clear. But as I've said previously, there are, there are general things that we're supposed to do. You know, seek God, be a light wherever we're at, share the gospel, right? If that all possible, have peace with all men. He knows it is his ministry, and he's faithful with it. And, and finally, right, with verse 3, um, and I, I want to read that again. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly, right? Paul's own personal testimony. God revealed the mysteries of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, his plan for the Gentiles to Paul directly. In fact, when Paul comes to Jerusalem for the first time, right, you're like, okay, he's just going to sit there quiet, right? Because he's, you know, he's, you know, he's just a new guy, right, this new upstart. And when he starts hearing some nonsense, he's like, oh, excuse me, you know, uh, what the heck are you guys talking about right now? Why do they have to live according to the law? I thought Jesus Christ uh, paid for it. You know, I thought he fulfilled the law. Why are you making them walk around with the law? Can the law make us holy? Does the law make us righteous? And people are like, oh, preposterous. And then one of the apostles stands up and says, yes. What, what he is saying, what you got, yes, that's what we want. You're absolutely right. Go. We're going to commission you. Share the gospel. Don't put them in a yoke of bondage. We're Jewish. We love our customs. We're going to walk according to these customs. But now we recognize something. You're right. We are thinking subconsciously in our minds that these things still make us righteous. When they don't, they profit us nothing. It's just a cultural thing. And share that. And Paul speaks that constantly in his messages. These things don't make you righteous or unrighteous. Don't let anyone look down upon you for them. But make sure you glorify God with them. And if it's impossible to glorify God with them, maybe don't do them. And that's at the very heart of what's going on with Paul. From the beginning of his walk with God. From the very beginning, this is the man that he was, and he walked in it. Paul knows this is a God-given task, and he is setting that as his own personal foundation for his travels. Now, why is that important? Because when the going gets rough, you have to know why you are doing, what you're doing, and to what end. What is the purpose? If you have no purpose, you will fall apart. Uh, Nietzsche, right? The guy who did, uh, you know, uh, nihilism, all that fun stuff, right? Um, you, know, you know, caused a bunch of genocides in the, you know, 20th century. You know, yeah, yeah, all that fun stuff. Yeah, not him, but people reading his teachings. He has a really awesome quote that I love. I love. He said, he who has a why to live can overcome almost anyhow. And that man later committed suicide because he didn't have a why to live. He spent his life rejecting Christ. He spent his life rejecting the gospel. He is a perfect picture of that. But if we don't have a reason, right, what does the Bible say? Without any prophetic, right, 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 without any prophetic knowledge, without any prophetic um, insight, what's the word? Direction, right? Uh, the people will cast off restraint. The people will perish, right? People will fall apart. There has to be someone guiding the ship. There has to be someone on the steering wheel, right? 
You got to have your GPS, right? I'm sorry, I'm going to start saying all these things. I don't want to get into that. Okay, listen, I'm not that kind of preacher. Just leave it there, right? Pull up your phone, your maps, boom, you got it. You know where you're going. Leave me alone, okay? Cool. Praise God. But you have to know what you're doing, what your destination is. Paul wants to continue his thought, but, but that's for verse 14. He knows the importance of relaying the groundwork. He knows the importance of stating his own personal stake, his why. You guys want to know my reason? Wow. Well, I blew through that time. Okay. He's like, you want to know my reason for what I'm doing? It's for you. Yeah. Amen? The Gentiles have been entrusted to him. What has been entrusted to you? What has been entrusted to us? What are we sitting on? I think we hear this a lot in church. Let's really think about that. What has been entrusted to us that we are either scared or, let's be honest, lazy. We don't want to do it. It takes hard work. We're going to have to fail, and we're going to have to be okay with failing. Are we okay with that? You have to be. We have to be okay with failure because success comes from there. Amen? Because it's not really failure like, I'm a terrible person. It's, I've learned how not to do it. Or I learned, even if you do it the right way, sometimes it still don't work out. That's just life. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But God is with you. And if he's purposed you for it, it will come to pass. Amen? Amen. But maybe not in your lifetime. And we have to be okay with that. Point two is a strong foundation. Verses four through five. I'm just going to find out my Bible so I don't have to keep scrolling up on my thing. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, it is, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This section can be seen as one we would simply gloss over. Like Paul is just talking about how special he is. Right? God's given me revelation that the sons of men of other generations didn't understand. It's like, oh, great, good for you, Paul, right? And, and, and he's reiterating what's already been said previously. Uh, but we know better than that. We do. God is intentional with his word, and this was written for a purpose. Paul goes off on this tangent for the sake of a possible new, new audience, which means he expected fruit and evangelism after he left and decided to share what he more than likely felt was most important for a new believer to know. God has revealed himself and his mysteries to the apostles and prophets of the early church in a way that was not done previously. Although many early church fathers have proven time and again through the Old Testament that Christ and his gospel have been preached from Genesis to Malachi. They still didn't have understanding. But God, right in these latter days, has poured his spirit out upon man and has brought revelation of the message. Amen? And so Paul is telling these new believers, hey guys, what you're believing in isn't nonsense. It's not hearsay. It is founded upon something. The God of heaven and earth has brought forward all these people, right? Let's be honest. All these men, they were all a bunch of men. People get mad about that. Listen, I don't write the Bible. You guys talk to God about that, okay? There we go. Boom. Get away from me, all right? All these men were anointed for it. The revelation was given to them, and it doesn't contradict. Over 40 authors, over the course of 4,000 years, 66 different books, and the cohesion is insane. And he's telling them this. You don't, you don't have to be insecure about what you believe. So what's he talked about so far? Steward. Steward what has been given to you as I have stewarded what has been given to me. And know what you are believing in and have a strong foundation. Be sure of what you believe in. Why is it important? Because he is answering a question before it is asked. By what authority do you teach and preach these things? The authority of God as revealed by himself through his apostles and prophets 
and we have their writings right in front of us. We are not simply crawling through the dark. We have the light, and we know how to use it. We know where our beliefs come from. Amen? Amen? The final point, number three, conviction. It's a good one right there. Conviction. Yeah, all I'm thinking of is like an Avenged Sevenfold song is like playing in my head now. I'm like, stop it. That's not the time. This mystery is that the Gentiles, right, verses 6 through 7, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Well, there you have it. That's the mystery. God wanted to unite all of humanity together in him. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me. And earlier in verse 2, it was given to me for you. Paul sums it all up here. Not just the last five verses, but really everything from 1-1 until 3-5, right? God has extended his salvation to all, regardless of race, which was unheard of back then, and has done all of this by the blood of his son. This great mystery is that there is now no division between man and God, and there is no division between man and himself. None of us are divided from one another, whereas before we were. We have all been made alive in Christ and are joined together in his holy family. More of this unity will be discussed later on in chapter 3, but it is important to note that God has done what he has done in order to unify us to himself and to one another. And how many times has he hit upon this just in the book of Ephesians? Something I was thinking about um, is, um, you know, we talk about, man, it's so good to be part of this church. We love one another. I love you guys, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've had to just see a person leave because they had a disagreement with someone. And you know what's crazy is a lot of the time, they're not even willing to talk about it. I've, I've upset so many people, and they've left this church over me. And they won't even talk to me about it. I have to hear through another party. And I'm not sitting here like trying to complain or throw shade, but it's like we say one thing and apparently we do another. And you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm capable of doing it too. It's like, you know what, I'm not even going to tell them. I, just, I don't want to just waste my time. It's worth it. Pretty recently, got to be a part of a conversation like that where love and unity was involved in it. And, you know, we got to see some brotherhood really come back together. That was awesome. And everyone involved just wanted to talk about it. And I, seeing that was, was encouraging. Amen. Because that's what the Bible is calling us to do, right? We're saying one thing. This is family. And then we walk out. Do you just walk out on family? Yeah. Let me ask you something. Personally, do you think it's okay to just walk out on family? I understand if this church is not healthy. You're feeling like you're being taken advantage of, being abused in some form or fashion, right? Like, through whatever it is. But you don't just walk out. You talk about it. You have to talk about it. Amen? Amen. And if God has called you to be somewhere else, completely different situation. But do we really consider one another family? Because, you know, the Bible would actually call me to be closer to you guys than my actual blood relations, especially those who don't know Jesus. Because... I'm unified with you in Christ, and I'm not unified with them in Christ. Amen? All of this was accomplished through Christ, and Paul has been given the ministry to make this mystery and this great grace known to all the world. 
The mission has not died with Paul. We are to take up this mantle and join together the wicked with the righteous. Knowing that the righteous are not made unclean by the wicked, it's the other way around. If we don't fall into their sin and act on the sin that they are in their lives, we remain clean. In our lifestyle of godliness, of holiness, being virtuous, it will positively change their life. You know, purity, like saving yourself for, for marriage, right? You know, people are like, oh, that's so old. That's whatever. Listen, time and time again, statistics prove it is only beneficial to individuals and to a society. So much so that they'll say one thing on TV and then quietly go and ask pastors to help them promote sexual purity in their universities or in workplaces. It is crazy. They'll say one thing and act on another. Why? Because what we have is a real answer. What we have is a real answer to help people. And though it may seem old-fashioned, it's old-fashioned because it worked back then, and now we say we don't like it anymore. And true, it was dressed up incorrectly. Why? Because people used it to beat other people over the head with it. But at its core, at its very heart, it remains true for a reason. It is to guard you. And this goes with all things with getting drunk, with getting high, with hurting yourself, with hurting others, with lying, with stealing, with cheating. All of it. With living a life to just make a bunch of money so you can enjoy all your money. It's like, that's empty. Read Ecclesiastes. I'm going through it. So is that. It's emptiness. What really lasts is satisfying yourself in God and teaching others to do the same thing. My screen locked. It's not locked anymore. Praise God. We do not set forth on this task by our own strength. Everything entrusted to us is by his amazing power. It's not about us, yet he has chosen us. And if we've been chosen, then we know that by the teachings in chapters 1 and 2, we've already gone over. We know that he has set us apart for this task. See why it's important to go into this, knowing what 1 and 2 say? I'm set apart for this purpose. And he has empowered us for it. We have been predestined for this task, chosen as God's workmanship to carry this message to the lost. Where is our conviction? Have we stewarded this conviction? Have we taken care of this conviction? Have we stewarded the lost? And is there opportunity for it? I would say yes. I would say Good News Club is a good start. I would say going through the drive through at Dutch Bros or at Starbucks, anywhere. When you're at work, just talk to people about life, and they will begin to talk about the issues. And you will know, I have the answer to what you're going through. I have the answer. It's God. He will comfort you, and you will think clearly and level-headed, and you'll be able to navigate these waters. God will give you peace in the midst of your circumstances. I have that answer. People are looking for the answer, and God has entrusted that very answer to us. Let's go out and share it day by day with those we encounter. Let it be natural. Let his message become like the air you breathe. It's just who you are. Amen? You don't have to focus and, oh, I don't know how to do this. It's like, just talk about it. Talk about sports. Talk about whatever. Talk about clothes. I don't know what, what girls talk about, right? Oh, my God, my makeup, right? I know. It was, oh, cut that out of the podcast, okay? But, you know, oh, my God, my makeup or something like that, right? It is what it is, okay? I'm, I'm not girly. Praise God, right? Jesse likes that about me. But um, talk about whatever. Talk about your true crime dramas. I know my wife loves true crime dramas, okay? And then you can talk about life. See, well, no, CSI is, CSI is a terrible show. Okay, let's just, let's just put that where it is. Let's just let it be natural. Be a human being. 
Um, C.S. Lewis has a quote. He's not always perfect with what he says, but he is, was an amazing man of God. And he has a quote that's not meant to be taken too far. Just leave it right where it is, right? He says, don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And what is he saying there? Don't focus on Christ. No, no, no. He's saying, make sure people can talk to you. Make sure you understand what happens in this life, that you may meet a person where they're at because you've gone through it too and you've thought about it and you've wrestled with it. Like That's evangelism. Hey, guess what? I know where I'm going, but I know I'm right here too. I know what gets me through it. Here's what's going to help get you through it. Look to something that is coming. Amen? Can we do that? Would you guys lift your hands? We're just going to go ahead and pray. Father God, just bless every person here, God. You have given us a call. You've given us a ministry, God. You have set us forth on a task. God, we bow our heads to you right now, God. We submit ourselves to you, God. Have your way. Move upon us, God. Show us, God, purpose. Anyone here who is struggling with purpose, God, pray that you'd bless them, God, that they wouldn't have to struggle with that anymore, God. And Lord, anyone here who doesn't know you, God, may they not have to walk in that insecurity. May they know you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.